Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Last week we talked about finding, bringing life to dead places and I shared a story about trying to cut down a hedge uh, and the uh, hedge clipper wasn't plugged into the PowerPoint. I didn't know to the end and I spent a number of hours trying to cut down this hedge not realising that the PowerPoint wasn't right all the way in. Now, I know that sounds a dumb thing, but it can happen when you're hot. It can happen to me any day. And, uh, and so what should have taken five minutes took a number of hours because I wasn't plugged into the power source. And many of us try to do life, the Christian life, without being plugged into God himself. You cannot do it on your own. It's called religion and it sucks. It doesn't work. That's why many people don't go to church anymore because they try to be a Christian without being plugged into the life of God and it doesn't work. You'll be the most miserable person. You need to be plugged in daily to the life of God. Jesus said it like this, I am the vine and you are the branches. Without me, it ain't going to work. Did you hear that? You can't bear fruit when you're disconnected to the vine. We need the life of God flowing through us daily, every day, all throughout the day, being plugged into the life of God, being conscious of his presence in our lives. <sighs> and the more life you get, the more life will flow. The world wants to see authentic Christians. You can't be authentic without life flowing through you. You become angry, disappointed, delusioned, and just not very nice to be around. I want to be filled with the life of God. And it's not hard. Look at me. It's not hard. I know the enemy says to you, it's really hard. Only spiritual people can plug in. No, it's not hard. Say with me, it's not hard. Do you believe that? God, God made it to be easy. Easy. A kid can do it. Jesus says you come into the kingdom like a child. What he's saying, it's easy. Just stop. There's the start. Stop. And just say, Lord, fill me with your life. You can all say that, can't you? The issue is not whether it's hard or easy. It's whether you make time. That's the problem or the challenge. So we spoke about life to dead places. And I feel the life of God here today. Do you feel that? Did anyone else feel that? I felt it as we worship. There's, there's life. We've all brought the life of God and it flows. And that's exciting. Today I want to talk to you about calling out order from chaos. It's been a theme for me and I've been talking to my kids about calling out order from chaos. If we don't have order on the inside, we'll never have order on the outside. And the primary thing that the mandate for mankind was to go into a garden that was ordered to establish order in Adam and Eve's heart and then bring order to the outside world that was full of chaos. That's your role. And it looks different, different ways, different areas we bring order. But we've talked a lot about the seven mountains, media, government, education, business, whatever it might be, your mandate is to find your mountain and bring order, the kingdom order, into a place of chaos. This world is full of chaos. So the key is no order on the inside, no order on the outside. I can't bring order to a mountain when there's no order on the inside of my life. I must develop inner order in my world. John 1, sorry, John chapter 1, verse 4 to 5 is a great scripture. It says, in him 
was life. We talked about that last week. And that life in us is the light of man. I want you to remember that. The more life of God in you, the more light in you. Light is a metaphor for purpose and direction and wisdom. More life, more light. More life, more light. I've got no purpose. Get more life. More spending time with Jesus, more direction, more purpose. Aimless people, by and large, are people that don't have life. More life, more light. Say that with me. More life, more light. More life, more light. More life, more light. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And it's so true, his life brings purpose and order to our world. When you encounter God, his, his desire is to bring, bring purpose, order, and direction to our world. Do you know there's a sea creature called the Hydra? I don't know if you've heard about the Hydra. And when it's a juvenile, it has a brain because it moves around and swims. The sad thing about the Hydra is that when it becomes an adult, it digests its brain because it becomes a rock sitter. It no longer swims, it sits on a rock. And if you sit on a rock, you don't need your brain. So this hydra actually eats its brain. Unlike the hydra, we're called to keep our brain and to move in a direction. God has a purpose and a plan. The sad thing is that many Christians eat their brains and sit on a rock and they don't move. They've lost their purpose and their direction. One year morphs into another year, into another year. Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and life to the full. And when you have life, you've got light and direction and purpose. The most on-purpose, goal-setting, focused people on the planet ought to be the body of Christ. Because we have life. You have life, you have light. We don't eat our brains. We don't sit on a rock and sing Kumbaya. We have a purpose and a strategy for our life. We have a reason to get up in the morning and a focus for life. I want to be a juvenile hydra, don't you? So this is a year for you to live on purpose, to think critically, to think about your life, not just to, I don't want to just coast through this year and get to the end and think, what was that? I want to get to the end of this year and know that I've nailed it that I've had such success in every area of my life, that there's progress, there's increase. Don't you want that? I don't want this year just to be a blur. I want to get to the end of the year and say, where did that go? I want to get to the end of the year and know where it's gone, that I've, I've sucked out every single day on purpose and that I'm no longer the same. And my prayer for this church is when we get to the end of this year, we are no longer the same. There's something that has radically changed in the life of each individual and in the life of our church. I want my family to be different, more purpose, more aligned. Don't you? Yeah. Amen. And we can do it. We can do it by the grace of God. We can embrace a life of order. And for all this to happen, what I'm going to talk to you about today is that to live a life on purpose and to be successful, God will bring a new sense of order to our world. I know you ain't like that. For all those people that are free spirits. There's a lot of free spirits in the church, isn't there? A lot of gypsies. 
a lot of free-wheeling, free-spirited people. It's another word for being undisciplined. They call it spiritual. I call it undisciplined and disordered. Anyway, 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1. You may have read this story. It's a story about order and disorder. And then we're going to unpack it. I'm going to give you a number of keys about order today. 2 Kings 20 verse 1 says, In those days Hezekiah became ill, and he was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order. Did you hear that? This is what Isaiah says to Hezekiah. Put your house in order. And this is what God is saying to you today. Put your house in order. Did you hear that for this year? You're going to put your house in order. This is not a, this is not a negative thing. This is an encouragement from God. I want you to put your house in order. Your house, you internally, your extended house, your family, and then your outer world. I want you to put it in order this year. It's so important. This is what he says to Hezekiah. Put your house in order because you're going to die and you will not recover. Well, Hezekiah, as you would too, began to pray to the Lord. And he said to the Lord, Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully with wholehearted devotion and I have done what is good in your eyes. And he wept bitterly. Isn't it interesting that you can love God, but yet you're out of order? Did you hear that? You can love God, but yet there's aspects of your life that are totally out of order. And God was saying, Hezekiah, you need to put your house in order because you're going to die. You've come to the end of your world and there's some things that are out of order in your world. And I sense as I began to prepare this that God is encouraging families, fathers, mothers, children. It's time to get your house in order. Look at me now. Don't be distracted. It's time to get your house in order. God has a great plan for your life and he wants your house in order. Not, you don't put your house in order after the plans arrived. You put your house in order first. So before Isaiah left the court, God, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said, go back and tell Hezekiah, the rule of my people. This is what the Lord, the God of your father, David says. I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. I will heal you. And on the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. And I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you. He says... And I will defend you. I'm going to add three years, sorry, uh, 15 years to your life. And in three days, you will recover. Interesting. He gets three days to consider his ways. His life is out of order. Around him is out of order. He gets three days to consider his ways. After he's healed, in three years, he gives birth to a son. Three days, three years. He has three days to consider how to get his life in order. And I think God was giving him a sign because after he's healed within three years, he has a son. And because he didn't get his life in order, that son, Manasseh, became one of the most, if not the most evil king in the history of Judah. It's better off dying than giving birth 
to perpetual disorder. See, I think God was trying to not just save Hezekiah, but save his people because he knew that if Hezekiah kept living a lifestyle of disorder, he would give birth to that, which would end up by destroying God's people. So he gives you time. He gives you significant moments, three days before he comes into the temple to consider your ways to get your life in order because if you don't, you will give birth to something that later on you may regret. Get your life in order. It's a bit like people who get to the end of their life and they've neglected their bodies all their life and then they're praying for a miracle. Get yourself in order. God gives us moments where he comes to us and says, Fix that thing. Deal with that issue. If you don't, it's going to have wide-ranging effects. And you will come years later. And, and I've seen people complain or be distraught about their lives, but they refuse to get their lives in order. And they're bearing the fruit of things that they didn't need to. So Isaiah said, prepare a bandage of figs. And they did it and they applied it to the boils of Hezekiah. And it says, Hezekiah asked Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me? That I would go up to the temple on the third day. And Isaiah said, this is the Lord's sign to you. That the Lord will do to you what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or shall it go back ten steps? It's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward ten steps, said Hezekiah. Rather, I would have it go back ten steps. So that Isaiah says, I can make the sun go forward or backwards. I can do either. Not hard for me. Which would you like? And the king says, I'd, I'd rather go back. That's more difficult. I'm giving you a period of grace where I will come in and even go back into your life and fix things that should have been done. Today, maybe God's speaking to you. Maybe this is a significant moment for you where God's saying, get your house in order. Get your personal house in order. Your family in order. Your business in order. Your finances in order. I'm giving you a grace moment. You know what? I'll come to you and not just right tomorrow and today, but I'll go back in and begin to work out the things of disorder in your life in your past. You've got an opportunity. The wonderful thing about God is He is a God of order. God is a God of order. God is a God of order. It says in Genesis 1.1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And as you see on that screen, it says, And the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. All those words, empty, formless, darkness, speak of misery, of ignorance, of disorder. And this is the realm that the enemy manifests himself in every area of your life that is empty, purposeless, without form, disordered, is where the enemy gets in. Every area where you bring order to is where you allow the kingdom of God to manifest. Disorder invites the enemy in. Order invites the kingdom of God in. And the assignment of mankind, as you see here, was to populate the kingdom of God in a world filled with chaos and disorder. Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the deep and 11 times in Genesis 1, the word says, and God said, 
God spoke. God spoke to places of disorder 11 times. 11 is the number of rebellion. So every area where the enemy rebels against us, brings in disorder, says, well, you'll never get a breakthrough. For some of you, there's disorder in your life. And the lie of the enemy is you will always be like that. He rebels against God's best for your life. Maybe it's your weight. Maybe it's personal discipline to read, whatever it might be. Maybe it's finances. And he lies to you and says, this will be the way it always will be. And God begins to speak to those areas of disorder. I'm telling you today, you have the authority from God to begin to speak into every area of chaos and disorder in your world and command it to come into alignment with the kingdom of God. Your assignment is to take the Garden of Eden, which is the kingdom of God that is in you, and begin to say, God, manifest the order of the kingdom, the mind of Christ first in every area of my life and then let it pervade every area of the world. Disorder in your life cuts the authority that you have to bring order to the world around you. The enemy got into the house that was when the demon was cast out. He got back into the house because the Bible says that that house was swept clean. Literally in the Greek, it says the house was idle. And it says it was put in order, but it was the enemy's order. It was disorder, idleness, no occupation. So when the enemy comes, sorry, when God comes and does a work in your life, you are responsible now to establish the kingdom order in your world. If you get a breakthrough in your life, but you don't establish order by uh, coming towards God, receiving his life, meditating on the word, making right decisions, obeying the word, disorder will reign and the enemy will have a foothold in your world. And then we'll say the kingdom doesn't work. No, it does work. You just haven't ordered your life. God's obsession is order. Did you hear that? God's obsession is order. Order brings protection. We have stoplights. When I was young, I may not have obeyed them as well as I should have. There's a couple of ambers I may have gone through from time to time. But order brings protection. God brings order to your life to protect you. Disorder and your open game. Order is established in our world to protect you. Order in a family protects a family. The kids may not like order, but it is a form of protection. I tell when my kids were younger, go to bed at a reasonable time. Why? To protect them. From what? From the next day being grumpy and then not succeeding at school, getting into trouble. They don't like the order of going to bed early, but it's a protection. God brings order into your world to protect you. Order of reading the word and meditating protects me from negative thinking. God's grace is available, but you have to choose to live an ordered life. Ordered. Order brings productivity. Always. Whenever you've got order in your world, increase productivity. When your desk is messy or your car is messy or whatever it is, there's less productivity. I was famous for losing keys and losing all sorts of things. And part of it was disorder, mess, messy mind, messy desk, 
And so I couldn't find things. And so you go out the house and you couldn't find your keys, you'd be late for an appointment. Order brings productivity and productivity brings prosperity. Order brings peace. Peace. Sometimes we don't have peace in our house because there's no order. Things aren't ordered. Can't find things. We don't have dinner at the same time. It's all over the place. We wonder why there's no peace in our world because we haven't established a lifestyle of order. Order brings pleasure. God loves it when you're pleased, when you receive his pleasure. And order brings pleasure. You know, if I had my buttons crooked, if I was wearing different colour socks, it, it would displease you, it would be distracting. I, I, me, I can't stand it when men wear ties and they end up here. Yeah. Uh, everyone knows a tie should be halfway down the, uh, the, the buckle. I don't like it when the pants are too short and you can see their ankles. I know that's fashionable now, but I'm talking about suit pants. Order brings pleasure. Disorder brings distraction. And we don't realise the effect it's having on our spiritual life, our productivity, because so much of our life is out of order. And the more you pursue order, the more pleasure, the more peace, the more productivity, and the more prosperity you'll have in your world. So, with that in mind, let's talk about things that we can bring order to. Are you ready? Number one, let's this year pursue order in our day. Proverbs 4, verse 18 says, The path of the just is like a shining sun. This is uh, one of my favourites at the moment that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. Think about that. There's a perfect day. The more we get our lives in order, the more we step into the perfection of the day. Have you ever had a day when you get to the end of the day and wonder what you did with it? Anybody? Is there anybody out there? You get to the end of the day and you think that was a waste of a day. And, and, and it doesn't have to be always productive, but there must be a plan. Behind. If you're going to rest, it must be because it's a planned rest. You don't just rest because you've got nothing better to do. Order to the day, a perfect day. What does a perfect day look like for me today? How do I start the day? How do I finish the day? What am I going to allocate? And I'm by no means there yet, but I'm on a pursuit. God, teach me how to live a perfect day. And one day, there's going to be like a light in the sky and angels will sing and it'll be like a aha moment and I will know that I've hit the perfect day. Don't you want that? Some great deals gone down, led people to Jesus, cast out a demon, had time with my family and friends, kissed my wife numbers of times. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's called order to our day. Genesis 6, 9 says there's a rhythm to our day. Noah Kept pace with God, walked with God. That word walk with God literally means kept pace. And so when we wake up in the morning, Holy Spirit, I want, I want to be led by you. I want to keep pace with you. I want to feel like I'm in the rhythm of the Spirit. Not just, you know what it's like? You can feel like you're out of rhythm in some days. Like every, things don't fit. But there is a rhythm where we can get along with God and we know we're in the zone. 
Is this making sense to people? It's called ordering your day. So when you get, lay your head on the pillow at night, it's not, oh God. It's not grumble, grumble, grumble. It's not sucking your thumb, feeling sorry. If you ever go to bed at night feeling sorry for yourself, you've missed the perfect day. And you can have a perfect day even when things go wrong. Amen? Was the cross, the cross of Jesus a perfect day? Absolutely. Hello? I have come to do your will. Not my will, but your will be done. See, a lot of you said, no, that wasn't a perfect day. If it wasn't a perfect day, you wouldn't be here. It was a perfect day in heaven. He was in the rhythm of God's will for his life. Anything but the cross in the day wouldn't have been perfect. Each day carries coded messages. Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. The firmament shows his handiwork. Isn't that amazing? Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals his knowledge. And every day there are coded messages. So that day when I was cutting down the hedge, I had no plan to do that. My wife decided I would work in my holidays. But in that day, there was a coded message. And that plug was a message from God. Andrew, don't forget. To stay plugged in this year. It was a gift in the day. It was hidden in the day. I could have just gone, oh, put a plug back in, stupid thing, never, I shouldn't be helping. You know, we could react and say, all this effort, I crack the sads and storm off. Or as I can see and listen, there's something hidden in this day that God wants to speak to me about. There's assignment for each day. Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number or assign our days. Every day carries an assignment and it may just be rest. That's an assignment. Yeah. It may be share your faith here, do this there. Whatever it is, every day has an assignment. Every day is a gift from God. Here's a thought, time is the gift that God gave you to exchange for what he promised you. Time is the gift that God gives you to exchange what he's promised you. Hebrews 11 says, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. You get to exchange time for the promise that he gives you. He says, these are all the promises that I've got for your life. Now I'm giving you the gift called time, and you get to choose how you spend it. Spend it wisely and you'll access all the promises that I have for your life. That's the power of a day. It's like a train with 24 carriages going to the city called success. And you get to choose what you put in each carriage. 24 hours in the day. And you get that choice. How am I going to spend this day? How am I going to listen to the Spirit? What am I going to do with each moment? To order my day. Get an exchange time for something. Hezekiah exchanged three days for three years. He wasted those three days waiting to be healed and didn't perceive what God was doing in his world. God has given you the gift called time. Same amount of time. And how you use it, the goals you set, will determine the value of your time. See, some people have no goals for their life, and so their time has no value. Yeah. You've met people like that. You're busy. They knock on your door. 
They want to come and talk to you, but about nothing. It's like, my time's valuable. If your time's not valuable, waste it somewhere else. Sounds mean, doesn't it? But the more you value time, the more valuable you become, the bigger problems that you solve. That's why we pay barristers $400 an hour and other people $17 an hour because of the value of their time and the problems that they solve. Order your day. So this year, I want you to order your day. I want to order my day. I want to think about my day. I want to think about how do I make the most of the day. I want to live life on purpose. I want to set goals for my year, for my day. I want to know that I've succeeded in my world. Does anyone else want that? Amen. I'm glad. Order to your body. There was a loud amen there. Come on. A.W. Tozer said, A man by his sin may waste himself, which is to waste that which on earth is most like God. That is man's greatest tragedy and God's heaviest grief, that we waste ourselves. And to waste on earth that which is most like God. We are made in his image, spirit, soul, and body, made in his likeness. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are the dwelling place or the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? You have received your body from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, I want you to honour God with your body. A lot of people are looking away now. Don't do that. 1 Corinthians 10.31 So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So this year, all of us, let's bring order to our bodies. Order to our worlds, learning when to enjoy yourselves, when to train, how to exercise, how to stay hydrated, how to stay on top of diseases, how to keep healthy and fit and shining, being a a great example. Joyce Meyer put it like this, if you were looking for a church or a restaurant, whatever it is, what would you pick? You know, if I go to a restaurant, I, I look for numbers of things. I look, make sure the toilets are clean. I try to peek inside and look at the cooks, see whether they have things on their hands, protection, you know, they're not and, and doing all sorts of stuff, wiping their hair. You see all that. I, I don't want to eat there. I want to make sure the decor is nice. If the chairs are cracked, I don't want to eat there. I'm looking at the way they dress and present themselves. There is a world of difference between eating at some takeaway shop in no man's land to eating at fine dining. Yeah. Presentation. It does something to a person. It excites, it lifts, it elevates, inspires. I don't get inspired by eating at Hungry Jack's. I get inspired by eating fine dining. It does something to the senses and to the person. Same with our bodies. Our bodies are the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost. And we are to glorify God with our bodies, the way we present ourselves. That goes down to our health, our dress, our hygiene. Everything about us should honour God to the best of our ability. You don't get to choose what sort of barn you've got, but you can paint the barn. <laughs> we, we're going to order our day and order our bodies. And none of us are perfect, but we're going 
We've got to put things in place to bring order to our world. We're going to not just do things because of habit. We're not going to eat out of comfort. We're not going to eat because we have an, you know, some sort of emotional need. We're going to find order to our world. And so we begin to speak to disorder. So we speak over our bodies. We speak to our appetites. We speak to our will and say, come in line with the kingdom order for my life. Amen. God promised Man, 120 years. Genesis 6, I believe. So go for it. Go for it. Don't think I'm going to retire when I'm 65. I'm going to keep going to the day I drop. I'm going to keep preaching, keep working, keep sowing, keep being productive all the years of my life. And when I'm 90, I'll be just as strong and fit as I am today, if not stronger. In fact, I told my kids, this is boasting now, just last year I, I lifted more weight bench press than I did when I was 25. Yeah. Order to my inner world. So we're going to bring order to our inner world as well. 1 Kings, verse 17. Elijah said to the widow, first bring me a cake. When you do that, then I'm going to do a miracle in your life. You see those words, but first. The Bible says, first bring the tithe. It says, seek first the kingdom. And all these things will be added. I'm going to bring order. I'm going to get first things first this year. I'm not going to get out of order. I'm going to go after every spiritual uh, truth and law in the kingdom. And to the best of my ability, by the grace of God, I'm going to get things in order. So when it comes to my inner world, my soul, how I, my mind, my will, my emotions daily, bring them to God. Lord, the way I think, the way I choose, the way I feel, I align that with you. I seek first the way that you would think, feel and choose. I wake up some mornings emotionally distraught. I've had terrible dreams and I want to stay in bed all day and suck my thumb. And I, I, I wake up thinking, is this, is this from you, God? Is this from the devil? Is this me? And I have to make a decision right there in that moment to get out of bed yeah. and have a good day. Yeah. It's called... Order in my inner world. Every one of us could get into the fetal position and stay in bed all week. Every week. But we've got to get up and begin to speak to our mind, our will and our emotions and say, you will come into order today. Our job is to bring order to disorder. And we do that by receiving God's life. He strengthens us. And then we speak the word and order comes where there was disorder. If you don't speak to your disorder, it will never change. You have to speak to your mind. Mind, you have the mind of Christ. You will stop thinking like a loser. Order to disorder. So we speak to our soul. We speak to our spirit man. Now, I wrote about this briefly in uh, my book, uh, Finding Peace in Troubled Times. And I, I said this about praying in the spirit. One of the things that praying in the Spirit does, it reminds us that we're spiritual beings. We talk all day and it, it connects us with the earth, but spirit prayer reminds us of our spirit and it elevates our spirit to a place of prominence and order in our world. This is what I wrote. Praying in tongues gives a reborn spirit a voice and enables us to draw from a supernatural flow of wisdom and power. Our natural language gives our soul a voice. 
It expresses our natural reasoning, our limited human view of life. If we want to be people led and empowered by the Spirit, then we must allow our spirit to have a voice of expression as much as we allow our, vo- our soul a voice. When our mouths constantly communicate from a natural sense viewpoint, our spirit takes a back seat. However, when our spirit is given the space to voice the mind of Christ through our mouths, it's then that everything changes. The urgency I feel from the Father right now is for us to give at least equal time to speaking in our spirit language as we do expressing our natural soul words that articulate a small, carnal, flawed perspective. So throughout the day, you don't have to go for hours, but just when I'm just walking around, just praying in the spirit, because I'm beginning to get God's mind and perspective. He intercedes through those words for my life. He's strengthening my spirit, man. Jude tells me that as I pray in the spirit, I'm energizing my faith. I come out charged, full of the life of God. If you've never prayed in the spirit, if you, don't, if you don't, haven't been baptized in the spirit, speaking in tongues, if you don't have a spiritual language, get prayer today. At the end of the service, come down the front and say, I want to receive the gift of praying in the heavenly language. Yeah. It's when God speaks through you, through you spirit to spirit. Amen? Amen? Order to our relationships. If your friends are not motivated towards success, you will share in their disorder. I keep harping about this because I just think a lot of people don't get it. Look at your friends. If there is disorder in their world, it's contagious. Get new friends. In fact, I'll go as far as saying this. I'd rather have no friends than friends that are disordered. Spiritually disordered. Relationally disordered. Emotionally disordered. Now, we're not looking for the perfect friend, but when when all your friends seem to have disorder in their world, it will affect your world. Look for friends that have some semblance of order in their world. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived or misled. Bad company corrupts good morals. Oh, yeah, but you don't understand. Yeah, I do. You're deceived. You think it doesn't matter having those people around you. It won't corrupt you. It won't impact you. It won't influence you. He says, the writer here says, Paul says, You are deceived. Bad company will corrupt you and will lead to a life of disorder. Are you getting this? Choosy. Order in your relationships. It says in Genesis 18, verse 17, essentially it says this, that God says, I'm going to come to Abraham and I'm going to reveal to him all my secrets. And the reason I'm going to do that, reveal my secrets and bless him, it says because he will direct his children and his household to keep the way of the Lord. Here's a thought. You want God's favour and blessing? You want him to share his secrets of success? Get your house in order. God doesn't want to just bless you, but he wants to bless your children. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And I felt God say again today to encourage 
parents, those listening on live stream, on YouTube, those here today, get your house in order. It's not good enough for just to have order in your world like Hezekiah. He was a godly man, but he let everything around him go to rack and ruin. You are responsible to get your house in order. No, well, it's not my fault. I'm too busy. No, you're responsible. You're responsible for your wife. Wife, you're responsible for your husband. Husband and wife, you're responsible for your kids. You're responsible for those around you. You're even, even adults. You're responsible for the kids in this church, to set an example. Get your house in order. Be an example to them. They're watching you. They're not stupid. They see when you're in order. They see if you miss five services and come to the sixth one. They see if you're, if you're yawning during worship. Get your house in order because everybody's watching you. Paul says to Titus, the reason I left you in Crete was that you would put in order what was left unfinished. Titus, I'm sending you to a place that is disordered. He goes into a community that is barbaric and disordered and out of control. And he says, I want you to go in there, Titus, and I want you to put things in order. The anointing of God on leadership, whether it's personal, family or church, the anointing of God is to bring order to disorder. That's what it's for. That's what headship's about. That's what leadership's about. Bringing order where there's disorder. Anything left alone will perpetuate to disorder. So you can't be passive. You can't say, well, I just hope they change. Nobody changes like that. They need direction. They need influence. They need leadership. Number five, order to your external world. Luke 9 verse 14 Jesus said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50. No, no, he didn't say that. He said, sit down, that group there, you can be 50, 48, oh, that's close enough. 13 there, that's okay. 110, oh yeah, that's fine. No, he didn't do that. Put them in groups, in ranks of 50. It's interesting, isn't it? He orders them. He gets them in order. And then he takes the two fish and the five loaves and he looks up to heaven and he blesses them and breaks them and they multiply. Favour and blessing always follows order. So this is a year where we're going to get order in our external world, our finances, our house, our workplace, our work ethic. Some of you need to work less. Some of you need to work more. To come home and know that you've done an honest day's work. And you can look, put your head on the pillow and say, I earned every cent that I was given. Order in our finances. We know we, every single person here should know their net worth. They should know how much debt they have and how much they have. They should know it down to the dollar. You're a steward of what God has given you. And you should have an expectation that what you have is going to greatly multiply this year for the glory of God. Amen. Amen? Amen? It's bringing order to your world. It's educating yourself. Okay, God has called me to prosper in this area. I'm going to bring order here. I'm going to develop that. I'm going to get greater skills. And by the end of this year, I will see increase in this area. Now, for all those free spirits out there, today's probably been a very deep, demotivating day but the truth is God's kingdom operates through order and you can squirm and you can buck and you can resist 
But all you're doing is embracing disorder. And disorder cuts God out of your life. God's greatest obsession is order. Everything about heaven is orderly. When we worship him, it brings order to our world. It brings things right and whole and correct. That's the way God operates. And the more that you and I embrace order, the more God can bless us and prosper us and release his love. So this year, order to our personal day, to our day, each day. Lord, let this day be a day of order. Amen? Amen. Lord, I pray that you would give each person strategy for ordering their day. So when they go through the day, they feel like they're in the rhythm. They have understanding of the purpose of each day. Teach us to number our days, to, to understand the assignment for every day. Every day has a purpose for every person. That's your design. So teach us, Lord, to order our day correctly. Thank you, Lord, for that. Teach us this year how to order, bring order to our physical body. To find the strength, Lord, I, I, I release grace and, and your kindness over our lives. Because you don't condemn us, you don't judge us, you delight over us. And you so want to bring order to our bodies. And we just welcome you, Holy Spirit. Our body is the dwelling place of you. This is what gives you authority on the earth, is through our body. So we welcome you. Teach us how to regulate our bodies, to understand how our bodies function, to get the right amount of sleep, the right amount of water and, and energy and nutrition, to honour our bodies by what we put in and what we release. Thank you for bringing order to our bodies. Where there's sickness and disease and stress and anxiety, we just take authority over that now. And I command all disorder to leave the bodies of God's people. Every sickness, every disease, everything that doesn't belong, we say you have to go. Let your life throw through, through every cell, through every, all our blood, through our organs, through every part of our body, we receive your life. And I speak long life over your people. The fullness of 120 years that you promised. A long life full of energy and fruitfulness. Your word declares in Psalms 1 that we'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bears fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither and whatever we do shall prosper. Thank you for that today. Thank you for order in our inner world, our soul and our spirit, nurtured and in order, our mind, our will and emotions in right order, our spirit leading the way, ordering the way in our lives. We want to just have such, such an understanding of our inner world. Teach us who we are, Holy Spirit. Teach us how to bring order and the right rhythm internally in our worlds so we may be one with you each day. Thank you, Lord, for order in our relationships, in our marriages, in our relationships, in our friendships, in our families. Thank you for order. Wherever there is disorder, give people courage and strength to speak to that disorder and bring order. I pray, Lord, that you would give even now men great courage to speak to disorder in their families and by the love of God and the grace of God and the wisdom of God to bring order 
where there's disorder. Lord, that that order will bring peace and prosperity and purpose to their families. I speak order in relationships in Jesus' name. And Lord, we speak order in our outer world. All our finances, our property, everything we have, everything that we possess in right order. Our cars don't break down. Whatever we touch prospers. Order around us in our relationships with other people, in our businesses, where we, our workplace. Order. Everything coming together because we're in order, I ask in Jesus' name. And we will be a people that bring order to chaos. Through our words, we will release order. There'll be such authority when we speak. It will bring order. It'll bring correction. It will bring, bring wisdom to people that lives are out of order. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.